So Crisp, a tasty bite-sized podcast that serves business, bravery, branding, beauty, sex, love, motherhood, womanhood, feminism, labels, psychology, marketing, messaging, mavenry, musicals, and the mess we call life. All deliciously dished up and ready to consume. In fact, is there anything we don't discuss? Not with Jay Crisp Crow, copywriting queen from Crisp Copy in the kitchen. I hope you're hungry. Dance mums, we've got to stick together because if the cost of endless shoes and lycra shirts and perfectly plain pairs of black dance pants that retail for $500 doesn't send you a little baddie, the politics might. But the life makes for good stories and good stories is what Mel Daniels is all about. In fact, she semi-rejected the traditional funnel concept of content marketing and relied on, well, content for the content marketing. This month, Funnels features heavily at SoCrisp. Next episode, we have a Kajabi funnel expert walking us through all of the things that we worry about that aren't even remotely important when it comes to funnels. And today we've got Mel teaching us what to do if the funnels don't tickle our fancy and we want to scrap them all together. Welcome, Mel. Thank you, Jay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to have you um, because I didn't go anywhere near a funnel with a giant stick for probably about five years. Like I was really scared of them. Just the whole overall concept just made me feel so completely overwhelmed and like it was almost like a separate job to set them up in a way that felt even, you know, even remotely like something that I wanted to do. Um, But we're going to get to that. First, I have to ask you the most important question of the podcast, besides telling me your best dance mom stories. What is with the Sultana and peanut butter sandwiches? (laughs) Yes, I know. Crazy, isn't it? So my mum used to make me Sultana and peanut butter sandwiches for school lunches, and I just absolutely grew to love them. And strangely enough, I still have a bit of a thing for peanut butter and dried fruit. My latest thing is, and you've got to try this, Jay, I swear, is a date with peanut butter on it. It just tastes like a little mini Snickers. Right. Good. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Like a different is good. That's a good segue. When did you decide during the whole process of setting up your business and starting and deciding what you wanted to do as an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, when did you decide that you thought funnels sucked? Yeah, I I guess it probably wasn't until about three years into my business journey, Jay. And the reason being is when I first started my business, um, I started as a virtual assistant. So um, I was predominantly focusing on content-based type activities for my clients, but a whole range of other things as well. But what I began to see was that a lot of women and myself included really resisted the thought of a sales funnel. Um, And that being because it just seems so complicated, right? Mm -hmm. It just seems like we have to do all of these things and all the tech that goes with it. um, And just the perception that you have to get as many people into your world as possible by any means possible Mm -hmm. kind of just didn't really sit right with me. And I think that a lot of other women felt the same as well. well. Yeah. Do you think that it is something that predominantly women kind of worry about or it rubs up against us um, not very well because of how we kind of move through the entrepreneurial world? Mm, That's a really good question. I would say probably yes. I would say that just the general makeup of women in general, um, we are far more connected to relationships and to humans. Yeah, right. Um, And we really value relationships with other people. So the the traditional sales funnel is more about transactions and numbers, Mm -hmm. whereas just changing that 
perception to making it more um, focused on the connections and relationships that you make with people through a client journey can really help you um, understand that the concept of a sales funnel is great, you know, getting people into your world and warming them up and nurturing them. But if we look at them as human beings rather than just the transactions and numbers, then it kind of really lifts that weight off our shoulders. Okay. Can you talk us through the client journey concept? Because some women who are listening to this will be like, the what now? Um, So can you talk us through what that should look like for the ideal client that's coming into finding out about you? Yeah. Okay, cool. So the way that I look at the client journey is like a five-phase process or five-phase journey. So we start at the beginning with a connection. And here we're really trying to... um, let our ideal client know more about us as well as make that connection with them. And then we move on to the subscribe phase where we're trying to get our ideal client off social media platforms or off the other platforms that they're playing on and into our email marketing world. And we saw the importance of this just recently with the fact that, you know, Facebook and Instagram went yeah. offline for quite some time. Yeah, that's, that, I think that's always helpful for me. I always know. I didn't actually know because I had gone to bed early. But when I woke up in the morning and I checked my emails and I had all these pings for people who had bought my email templates, I was like, oh, what happened? <laughs> and then I went, oh, it was Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that that really highlighted for a lot of people the importance of um, moving people off social media and into your email marketing world, mm-hmm. most definitely. Um, so that's the second phase, the subscribe phase to get them into your email marketing world. And then we move on to nurture. So this is you know, really where we're trying to um, wow them with extra value and offers and solutions and show them what an amazing person we are and what transformations we can provide and the outcome that your ideal client can actually receive working with you. Mm-hmm. And then the next phase is conversion. So obviously we want mm-hmm. them to become a paying client at some stage. Mm-hmm. So they're really trying to make you know the decision to buy from you on this stage. And your job is really to help them um, make a confident and informed decision um, to purchase from you. Mm-hmm. And then the last stage is the onboard stage. And this is something that I think, Jay, that a lot of people mm-hmm. miss. There is such an amazing (laughs) opportunity in the onboard stage to really take that relationship to the next level and um, help them become a raving fan. So not just a client, but someone who will go out into the world and tell um, everyone wonderful things about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're so right. Thank you so much. When I asked you that question, I did not really expect that you were going to give us a free mini lesson, which I feel like you just did. If you want to have a look at Mel's course, I'm I'm pretty sure we just got a bit of a sneaky peek about what it's like to learn from her. But can I talk about the negative things? So this is one of the things that I think that one of the reasons I think that people are put off funnels is because of the sheer amount of content that you have to create to have a smooth functioning converting one so if you focus on content creation are you not just simply adding more content creation to your to-do list like you talk about content hustle and aiming for flow but how does that practically work when you are kind of redefining and relying more on the content that you're creating rather than focusing on the on the funnel aspect yeah I think that the reason is it becomes more purposeful right? So once we understand that there is a client journey, that we're interacting with a human that, um, 
you know, every piece of content that we that we create has an impact, whether positive or negative, on a human being out there. Once we realize that content has a purpose, and that purpose being for your ideal client to get to know you, to know what you like, your values, your personality, what you don't like, what you stand for, what you don't stand for, as well as um, to move them through that client journey, then our focus just becomes so much more sharper and we're not throwing the literal content spaghetti Mm. at the wall, Mm -hmm. but we're actually creating for a purpose. So we say to ourselves today, what does my ideal client need to know from me right now if they are in the connect stage? What do they need to know from me right now? And I can be very purposeful in creating something that goes exactly with that. So you're not creating more, you're just creating um, with purpose instead. Oh, I like that. That's really good. Okay, so you talk about content fatigue, which sounds like a terrible ailment, and I'm pretty sure I've suffered from it once or twice. How do you know you've got it and what is the cure? (laughs) I think that you know that you've got content fatigue when you get to the end of the day and you sit down on the couch. You've finally put the kids to bed. They've finally gone to sleep. You sit down on, on the couch Put your feet up and you're really looking forward to watching your favorite netflix show at the moment and you realize that you haven't posted on social media mm-hmm. today right and you go right okay i need to do this so what am i going to do what am i going to post oh my goodness i'll start scrolling can i get inspiration from somewhere what's in my terrible, um terrible my phone <laughs> camera roll, you know on my phone all yeah. of these things and it becomes so hard that you just don't end up doing it and then the next day it's like oh my goodness I didn't post yesterday my day is so busy today I don't have time today what is the point Mm -hmm. so it just becomes a really um burdensome feeling uh, I think that when you have that content fatigue and the reason the simple reason is that you just don't have a purpose once you have a purpose and a focus then um content creation becomes so much more easier I love it. I love that. I think one of the things we do to ourselves too is even if we decide we're not going to do it and we're going to relieve ourselves of that pressure, then we just sit on the couch feeling guilty or we're making dinner feeling guilty. Like you don't actually get relief when you decide to not create content because you're not, you don't have a plan and you're not organized. You don't know what you want to say. Yeah, you just yeah, feel I mean, bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we're really, really super harsh on ourselves. And I think that that you know, a lot of us carry that kind of feeling into lots of different parts of our business, but particularly with content, because we understand how important it is for our Mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. So that added pressure of it being such an important part of our business can make us feel even worse in the end. Yeah, which is very sad. Okay, so talk us through the difference between what you call transactional content marketing. You kind of hinted a little bit at this, but I, when I read it, I was really interested about what you felt that that meant, the transactional content marketing and what to do instead. I, I know that you're going to say it's got a lot to do with purpose, but so maybe backtrack it and talk to us about what transactional content marketing will look and feel like if somebody yep. is, you know, taking a course where they're trying to learn about funnels, like how is that going to feel prickly? Yeah, okay. So I guess there's lots of different things and this is this is my personal opinion, but I have found that so many other women in particular feel the same way about this. So the traditional sales funnel, um, just in case anyone hasn't come across it before, is kind of like an upside down triangle mm-hmm. and it has different parts to it. 
So the aim of the traditional sales funnel is to get as many people as possible into your world. And in that process, it's kind of like mm, pushing them down into the funnel, you know, hustling a little bit, having to sell to them, trying to sell that little um, tripwire or that low cost product or service that you have. The feeling that you have to do that. And if they don't do that, then you fail. Um, but then just trying to push them further deeper into your sales funnel using um, predominantly email marketing mm -hmm. and then get a sale at the end of it and go great that's that's awesome i've got a sale carry on next person please who's up next yeah. um and i think that when we yes we need numbers totally 100 percent agree that we need numbers inside of our world to be able to convert um, our ideal client into a paying client However, when you just switch that perspective and realize that um, the, if, you, if you're just taking a more relationship connected base approach and that you are the guide for your ideal client, okay, you're walking beside them, you're not trying to push them, you're mm -hmm. actually walking beside them um, and guiding them through that journey with you and just giving them those little bits of things, those pieces of content that they need at that particular point in time. So knowing what they are thinking, feeling and doing at each of the stages of the client journey will really help you create content that's meaningful and has purpose and that feels right for you as well. Love it. Okay, now down to the best bits. Tell me about your best dance mum experiences. And have you ever written about them? Have you ever done any writing about the dance mum thing? I haven't ever written about the dance mum thing, <laughs> funnily enough. Maybe I should. But um, I, I think that dance mums in general have a pretty bad name, <laughs> which is um, which sometimes for good reason, Mel. <laughs> Sometimes. I've got to say, sometimes, and, and really like, you know, two and a half percent, I think, of dance mums since I've ent that entered back into the world have have carried that torch for the rest of us because <laughs> the rest of the folk, the rest of the women and, you know, the dads that are there and all the other parents and grandparents and everybody that, that supports these kids, um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, they're all just delicious and delightful. And Absolutely. there's something about ballroom dancing where there's no one I've never been a part of any other sport where there's no one like manual. There's no guide. There's no one website that you can go to. It's like that computer, I'm showing my age now, um, called NIST, that you used to get dumped into a, a digital world and you had no actual goal and no idea how to get there and you just had to find the right people and ask the right questions. That's what boring dancing feels like. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I would have to agree. Um it's it's about finding your people and it's kind of like mm. life and business in general really isn't it if yeah. you connect with those people who are very similar in terms of your values and um, personalities and likes obviously we've got something in common because our children love dancing yeah but it's those other bits and pieces that i think that um help you get through something new yeah so who dances in in your little family yeah, so it's my daughter that's a dancer in um, our family. She is a um, into musical theatre. So, oh. yes, and in addition to that, she does tap and contemporary, and she sings and she acts. Oh. So, yeah, she's she's a bit of everything. Does all the things like a mum. <laughs> <laughs> I love things. it. 
all the things. Okay, so cool. Do you, before we wrap up today, I do want to know, do you have a favourite word? I ask also crisp um, folk this. <laughs> Are you still thinking? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Jay. Like mine is serendipity. I love the word serendipity because it has the like little trip at the end that is just so delicious when it rolls off your tongue. Do you know that the word crisp, to say the word crisp, takes all of the muscles in your mouth and your tongue hits just about every single position that it needs to to make sound all in one word? I've never heard that that? before. So cool. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Okay. Do you think you have one? I know this is a bit random, but I'm going to say marshmallow. Marshmallow is a good word. That has that, um, do you know what onomatopoeia is? It's the. It's when the word actually sounds like it would sound, like fuzzy bee. Marshmallow kind of sounds like marshmallow. You know what I mean? Like it it's squishy does. in your mouth. <laughs> I like it. No, that is approved. That is so crisp approved. Well done. Round of applause. All right. So Mel's going to take us away because she's super brave, even though she didn't have a word yet until I put her under tremendous pressure. Mel, take us away with May Your Day Be So Crisp. May your day be so crisp, as crisp as the first tap of a tap shoe. Oh, I love it. That's my favourite one so far. Thank you so much for coming and talking about this with me. This has been really kind of lovely and light and I think will really help people who are like, oh, I don't want to do that thing, have another option to kind of tackle it in a different way. So I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so very much, Mel. Thank you for having me, Jay. This has been So Crisp and my guest has been Mel Daniels. Mel helps women with service-based businesses with content fatigue so they can grow a profitable and sustainable business. You've been listening to So Crisp with copywriter, copy coach and consultant Jay Crisp Crow. If you've loved this episode, get all the juicy details and links at crispcopy.com.au forward slash podcast. Make sure you never miss a bite by subscribing to So Crisp wherever you get your podcasts. Want to help us spread the deliciousness? Rate and review this show and share with your mates. Remember, if there's a copy question you want nibbled at, email me straight away right now.